Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Hear from you. So, how are we doing? Awesome. You ready for another? I want to say tantalating message. Uh, it's kind of funny. Wow. Uh, we were That's in a marriage, a marriage conference uh, a few years ago, and uh, one of the authors of one of these books was telling the story about when his wife first met his parents, I think it was. And uh, so he's about to introduce his wife. He tells wa- the his, story in one of those books, Yeah, too. he does. We're lucky it, today. It's, it's quite funny. To um, he's telling the story about how he's about to introduce his wife-to-be uh, to his parents for the first time, his girlfriend at that time, and his mom comes out like rubbing her back, just like having, you know, really, you know, back pain. He's like, oh my gosh, mom, what did you do? And this is like right in front of his, his girlfriend. And she's like, well, you know, I was getting out of the shower and your father was tantalizing me with my curling iron <laughs> and, uh, and he didn't know that it was on. And so he was burning me every time he touched, you know, touched me with the curling iron. And, and he's like, did she just use the word tantalizing? I mean, what is... What is wrong with this picture? And so that was his first uh, introduction of his girlfriend to his parents. So I, oh, we always pull that out as an inside joke every once in a while. But uh, we want to give away the last of our giveaways. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to get a copy of one of these resources, I know it'll make a big impact in your life. And so has anyone that's been with us, for the, uh, whether you just joined us this week or last couple weeks, um, caught any of the messages online and you started implementing any of the, uh, the week one uh, efforts to putting Jesus first in your relationship? Has, has anyone begun doing that that hasn't got a resource? Was that Crystal in the back? Okay, we're going to get you a book. Brody, I'm going to make you walk. Your wife's carrying, carrying a large enough load with twins, so, <laughs> all right. And Becky? I don't compute. You don't compute. Okay, well, you know what? This book, I think, would be great for you. It's a 21-day inner healing journey. It covers not just marriage, but anything that you might have gone through in the past that you might need help with. So that's awesome. Anyone that's been along with us over this journey, so I think we were talking about little foxes. Anyone started discovering the little foxes in the relationship and began rooting those things out? Anyone at all? Has anyone done anything oh, with oh, these messages? Who? Who's raising her hand? Who? Right who's who's raising her hand? Center. I can't tell who it is. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, awesome. All right. It's too dark. It's too dark. Okay. There you go. There That's you go. Right. He works out awesome. six days a week. He's good. All right. Now, is anyone in here that hasn't gotten a book? Really you want one. Really want one. <laughs> Raise your hand. Michelle? Michelle really wants okay. one. Oh, and way the back. in the back. Okay, yes. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Awesome. There you go. And then Danny, is that Danny? Danny, come Danny on up here Whitley. and get a book. He's making his wife do it. He needs this message today for yes, sure. Yes, this message is for Danny today. I'm just today. kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. I promise. All right. Um, awesome. While he hands those out really quick, I want to make a note about movie night since it is this Friday. It's our last opportunity to talk about it. Um, if you do want to come volunteer and serve, we we just need a few people. We don't need a whole host of um, people to serve, but Joey could use some help setting up. Uh, there's a lot of equipment. And then yep. also um, just with the popcorn and we um, give out drinks. So we're asking that volunteers would be there around seven to help out with movie night if you are able to this Friday. This Friday. So normally what we do is we'll we'll have a cooler of some kind of beverage uh, and uh, we'll usually get donations of popcorn from the movie theater. So it's legit movie theater popcorn and we'll have bags to scoop it into and and, uh, it's really a good time. And so uh, the movie will start at dark so we need to have everything set up and all the technical difficulties rooted out by then. So I think... And also I want to note... if you can't show up before the movie, we always need help tearing down, too. Yeah, it's dark up. and it's late. So if you want to help clean up instead of set up, we would appreciate that as well. Yeah, awesome. And uh, there's a little construction going on in the park, so I don't know exactly where we're going to set up. So plan to bring your own chair, blanket, 
something to sit on, and then uh, it'll be an awesome time. So we are nearing the end of our marriage series, uh, and so we want to give you an opportunity, if you haven't already, to text in questions. If we could throw the, the number on the screen, um, we'll get that on there. So th- you can text to 810-640-5906, and that's for those of you online as well. We want to give you every opportunity to ask um, a question relating to your relationship, something you're going through, what does the Bible have to say about any particular s- circumstance or situation, so that we can weigh in on that, and, uh, and I know that will be awesome. We've had the opportunity to answer at least two questions from our audience, and uh, we, we know that that's been an impact on us, just hearing the hearts of the people and looking into what God would have to say in those areas, and we want to give God every opportunity to bring some healing and restoration into your relationships. And, um, and so we're excited for that. Um, the uh, other thing I want to mention into you is I've heard this from a couple of different uh, singles uh, over the past few weeks that um, because we're focusing on the marriage relationship, there's kind of this sense that there's not really an application to those who are single. And, and whether that's because you've never been married or maybe you've been recently widowed, uh, whatever the case is, we, we would just express that God's word applies to everyone at every stage. That there's, there's not a verse in Scripture that doesn't apply to you. And so if you've not been engaged in a marriage relationship, then this is an opportunity to glean wisdom for that future relationship. If you've, if you've been divorced or you've lost uh, your significant other and you're on the other side, then this is a way to hear from God's Word and then use your personal experience in what God's Word is saying to then help mentor the younger generations. The biggest, I I think one of the biggest reasons why the youth and young people leave the church when they leave high school and 80% of them don't even return is because there's a disconnect of mentorship of the older training up the younger. And and so we just really want to encourage you, you still have a purpose, no matter what age you are, even if you're older, you have a purpose to help parent the younger generations. You're still a mother or father in Christ to, to us, and so we need you. And uh, we want to encourage you in that way. Okay, so as uh, Pastor said, we're ending, we're nearing the end of our series. We probably have one more lesson next week, and and then we're finished with Song of Solomon. So I just want to do a quick recap. If you haven't been here every week, just to go over kind of what we talked about each week. Number one was invite Jesus in, begin praying with your spouse daily, weekly, at some point. Pray together, read the Bible, serve together. Invite Jesus into the center. Don't just assume he's there because you said some vows before a bunch of people on your wedding day. So we have been making that a habit in more of our prayer to invite Jesus into the center of what we're doing, too. Um, Week two was a sweet fragrance, how to develop a culture of honor in your home or working on developing a culture in your home. Week three, what's the banner over our marriage, the word that God wants to write over our marriage. And we also discussed how to root out some little foxes and encouraged all of us to identify some foxes that might be in our relationships. Um, And last week we talked about secret garden. I know all the young people in the room really enjoyed that one. I had a car full of them on the way home from church. And I said, so guys, was today's message weird? And they're like, yes, we knew what you were talking about. I was like, yeah, that was the point. But um, we talked about dealing with rejection in marriage and, and physical intimacy. And But today we are in chapter 8 yep. of Song of Songs. We're only going to take a few verses from chapter 8, and we have a whole teaching on these few verses, so there's a lot here. Yes. So we'll begin our reading in uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 8. We're just going to read verses 6 and 7. They'll be on the screen, or you can follow along in the Version Bible, Bible app. Look, I'm saying yes. his script. Okay. Verse 6, this is the young woman speaking to her husband. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us your thoughts, your heart, Mm. your will, your instructions on paper. God, where we can come and find truth. God, and we thank you that your word is alive. It's not just like any other book. It's a living, breathing testament of who you are. So we praise you for your word. We praise you for truth. God, we pray that as we go through this 
talk today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guide and lead each of our hearts, that he would instruct Joey, on, uh, Joey and I on what to say, and he'd also just minister to each of us in the room, God, mm-hmm. that he would speak, not us to each of our hearts, God. We just love you. We worship you. We thank you for being with us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And that was good. Good praying. Um, I love what it says there in verse 7. It's just, it's like a commentary on our current culture. It says, if a man tries to buy love with all of his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. But we can look in our society today and see how many different ways we try to buy love. And, you know, you think about the, the kind of the stereotypical old man with his, you know, sugar babe. You know, you think about that, like, you really think a 20-year-old woman is looking for a 70-year-old man to spend the rest of her life with? No. Well, what's happening? He's using his money to try to buy affection. But that's not genuine. And our world has many ways we try to buy affen- affection. And at the end of the day, they all fall flat. It's really discovering what God's word says because he is love, right? God is love. And so if we want to discover true love, we have to find that at its source and in the Lord. And today we're, we're talking about um, something I think is, is overlooked. And, and maybe we understand it, but it's not something we really give a lot of thought to. Uh, the ultimate goal we've discussed in the past week, uh, weeks, the ultimate goal of our marriages we read in Scripture Um, that there's a difference between the ultimate goal and the ultimate purpose. The ultimate purpose we mentioned, we found in Malachi 2, is that God desires for humanity to be his image bearers, to reflect him all over the world, that we would raise up godly offspring, and that through our generations, we would reveal the glory of God throughout all the world. This is how the kingdom of God was meant to expand. So the ultimate purpose for our marriage is to reflect Jesus everywhere. That's the ultimate purpose for our relationships. But there is an ultimate goal within the marriage, within the relationship, that leads us to be able to fulfill our ultimate purpose. We are working toward uh, what is illustrated here in the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, but can be seen more clearly in Genesis, chapter 2, verses 23 through 24. Here in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, as she says, she desires to be a seal upon her spouse's heart, upon his arm, to have him sealed with her. Uh, it's a plea for oneness. Somebody say oneness. It's a plea for oneness, for there's this to be this ins- inseparable relationship between the two. The significance of oneness we see in Genesis 2 at the creation of woman when God performs the very first marriage ceremony. In chapter 2, beginning verse 23, it says, At last the man exclaimed, can, can you imagine that? Like the first time Adam is seeing his wife, and by the way, at this time, they're both naked. And he's, it's not just like, wow, God, you've outdone yourself today. You know, it's at last, right? Like it's just, he's going nuts over this moment. This is such a, a, an exciting moment for him. He's like, yes. All right. So this one is bone for my bone, flesh for my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So what was once one became two separate entities, and in marriage the two unite back together to be one. Somebody say one. One. I know it's super complicated, right? right? It, it, it's like this difficult math that we can't wrap our minds around. No, it's, it's a simple concept. What was once one became two. In marriage, the two come back together as one heart, one body, one life. So marriage is a relationship that is defined by its oneness. And the health of your marriage, the health of your relationship can be determined by how one, quote-unquote, you are. So this is what the woman is alluding to here in Song of Songs chapter 8. But if you were to turn back in chapter 7, you would see this comes right after an extremely romantic encounter where they've been intimate and the husband is describing her from head to toe, expressing uh, just his, his feelings and his desire for his wife, how much he appreciates every aspect of her beauty. And he or she, after this encounter, is expressing the longing in her heart to be totally and eternally his. And she says, set me 
as a seal upon your heart and upon your arm. The, the word seal here, seal here refers back to how kings in ancient times would take wax and they would, they would roll up a scroll or a document. They would pour hot wax and then they would use an insignia, a stamp, and it would stamp the document, which would seal the document closed. And, and there are multiple reasons for this. On Britannica.com, they cite the two most common types of sealed documents were royal grants to a subject impressed with the royal seal of the grantor, or a treaty between two nations. So very important documents were sealed. The seals not only identified who was sealing the document, but it also indicated who and with what authority was the one who was able to unseal the document. So the document was sealed by someone important. It could only be unsealed by somebody with the authority to access that document. We can see this play out in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. In the last days, in John's vision of heaven, it says, Then I saw a scroll, and in the right hand was the one who was sitting on the throne. That's God. There was writing on the inside and outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who's worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. So I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory, and he is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. So here we have this picture. God has this scroll that's of the most highest importance. And John's weeping because nobody's worthy. Nobody can take the scroll from God's hand and open it except for one who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the seal not only closes the document, it restricts it from all others. It restricts it from anyone who does not have the authority to access what is inside. Right, so here what we see the young woman expressing in poetic form is a desire to be sealed or bound together where only she has access to him and then he only has access to her. Yeah. And this seal that holds them together is actually the oneness in their relationship, the loyalty that they have to one another. Another term for loyalty is fidelity. So fidelity is defined as faithfulness to a person, cause, or belief demonstrated by continuing loyalty and support. And I think a lot of times when we think of fidelity, we think of just being faithful to our spouse in the physical way. Yeah. Like resisting the temptation to pursue others outside of the marriage. But really the loyalty, the fidelity, the oneness that she's requesting here actually goes much deeper than that. And yeah. I loved exploring um, these different seals and their symbology this week. So I hope you guys enjoy um, this too because it was really fun for me. So the first seal, the first place that she asks him to seal her is on his heart. And the word heart here, it actually refers to the total psyche. So this is your mind, your will, your emotions, what we would label your soul, your knowledge, your thinking, your reflection, and your memory. So she's essentially asking him, place me as a seal over your soul. And what she's saying, she's saying, seal your heart, seal your mind from wandering, seal your thoughts, reserve them only for me. She, she mentions in the next verse that love is jealous. It's, it's a, a burning flame. So she wants to be sealed. He, she wants him to be sealed for her. Reserve your thoughts for me. Guard what you reflect upon. Ensure that your innermost desires are loyal. And if he has his wife as a seal on his heart, there won't be room for anyone or anything else to get in. That's so true. So practically, what, what does this look like? Well, it looks like her desire is that when he thinks, when he reflects, when he considers what he's going to do in his day and with his day, he considers her. Considers her emotions and that his deepest thoughts and feelings are reserved for her and her alone because it's her name that's the seal over his heart. So no one else is worthy to access that deep place in his heart. No one else gets to share what's in there. She gets all he has to give. So what he's not doing, I think it's easier for us to think about what, what it doesn't look like to help us realize what it does look like. Here's what he's not doing. He's not thinking about what it might be like if he married somebody else. He's not flirting with other women because it makes him feel good. 
even if he has no intention to take it further. He's keeping himself completely and wholly loyal to his wife. There are a man named Jimmy Evans who wrote um, uh, Marriage on the Rock, one of the resources we passed out. He said that he had to come to this place, uh, understanding oneness in his relationship, where he had to realize that he can't make any major decision in their marriage, in their life, without first discussing it with his wife. But that, he had, that all major decisions had to be made together. And this is what she's expressing in the Song of Songs, asking to be a seal on his heart. When, when he's going about his day, when he's about to make a decision, he needs to ask himself, how is this decision going to affect my wife? He needs to get her input on this decision. Let me talk to her about this issue before I talk to anyone else. And let me consider her opinion and her emotions as the most important opinion in the room. That, that this is how he is to, to seek her. That, that her input is the most vital input. And this is how he walks out sacrificial love. And this is really one of the ways that, that she is wanting him to do this in her life. is to put her first, even in what you think about and how you consider setting up your day. Um, one of the, the areas we can pull from in our, our life and our, our relationship early on in our marriage, I grew up in a, in a religious background that was teetering on chauvinism quite a bit. We, we grew up believing that God calls the man into ministry, and really the wife was there to support the man in his call. And but really, so, that didn't work for me because I was called into ministry when I was 13. Yeah. So I knew God had called me as well. Let's just set that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we were, we were both called, but this was like a mindset that I wrestled with because I'm looking, well, man is the spiritual head of the home, man's the leader, God's going to call me, and I'm going to lead my family. And I was wrestling with all these things. So uh, back in two, the end of 2009, when God called us to come up to Michigan, uh, it was one of the first times I heard the near audible voice of God. I think before that, I could say I kind of felt like God was speaking, but this was the time I knew God's voice. Like, I heard it. It echoed in my soul. And he only said a couple of words, but I knew it had an infinite meaning. It was like, this is my plan for your life. I'm, I'm sending you here. This is what I want you to do, even though he said, you're, you're going. I asked him, like, God, do you want us to go? And he said, you're going. That's it. But I knew there was so much that he had in store. So I was so excited to come home and lead my family in what God, God wanted us to do. And so... I, I came home, and I was like, guess what, babe? God spoke to me, and he said, we're supposed to move to Michigan, and, and he's going to lead us into this, this ministry uh, position. And her response to me was, I'm not going if God doesn't tell me. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, what, what, what do you mean you're not going? God's leading me. We're, we're going together. This is what we're doing. She's like, I don't really feel like moving back there, and... <laughs> We, we just had our first house. We, we had, had, only, home. We we had, had two bought kids. our first house. We only lived there for 18 months. We had a kid on the way. We loved our home. We had a, 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 we were a really yep. comfortable life. And so she's like, I'm not leaving unless God speaks to me. I'm God's like, going to have to tell me. I'm like, this is not how this works. Right? Like God, God tells me, I tell you, and you do what I tell you God's telling us to do. Right? And so we had some conflict there. But... <laughs> But uh, what I had to learn and what I've been learning over the course of the years. Wait, we have to pause. Obviously, God told me to. Yes. And he did. Yeah. He was faithful yeah. and he came to me and he said, you're going. And I came yeah. to Joey and I said, okay, I can go now. God said. He made so. me sweat it out for two <laughs> weeks, but it happened. It happened. But what I had to learn along that process and over the years, and it took me a long time to see that this marriage relationship, it's us and we. It's not I and me. It's us and we, especially in the area of major decisions. You see, I cannot lone wolf it in my marriage relationship and expect it to function. I, I can't. And expect everything to be okay. God has her for a reason. Like the scripture says she was created to be my helper. That means rescuer. It's one of the names of God, right? And so, and so we think about how God brought us together. He brought us together because we need each other, and he intends to use us together in what he calls us to do. She sees my blind spots. She knows my weaknesses, and if she has my back, she's not going to let me walk into the fire without warning me of the flames, right? So this is, this is what she's really getting at. She's like, seal me on your heart because we're in this together. This is us together. So she is the one who bring, I bring into the most intimate places of my mind. I've heard other people say, and I think it's so telling in marriage, 
that when an event happens in life, when something happens in your day, like something awesome, you know, we all, all, a lot of us have those, oh, you had to be there type moments. You know what I'm talking about? Like something cool happens, and you try to share it with somebody, and they're like, oh, that was cool. And you're like, well, man, I guess you had to be there, right? When, when you have a moment like that, a memory's been made, who's the first person you want to tell? You want to tell your spouse. What does it say when that's not the first person you want to share with? Right. There, there, there's an issue when your spouse isn't the first person that you want to share because you're sharing your life. It's your life together. What happens to you happens to her. Right? So, and what happens to her happens to you. That's the oneness that we have. So she's the only one that I bring into those intimate places. She's the first one I go to. And this is how she knows me. And this is what she's getting at in Song of Solomon 8. This is how she knows him. This is how he knows her. And to be known in the biblical sense is not just referring to physical intimacy. It, it's referring to a spiritual connection, to be known flaws and all. Flaws and all. Strengths and struggles. Nothing is hidden. And I think we oftentimes try to just show our best self and not let our spouse in on our struggles. This is how we're known, is by bringing them into that intimate place that only they have access to. That we have this secret garden, this safe place, where we can share even our deepest struggles and know that they have our back because we're sealed together. We're doing this together. We're here to help each other. And this is what the woman in Song of Solomon is longing for. Right, that's good. So the first place she asked him to seal her, as we just discussed, was on her heart. But then she also says, and on your arm. And this is really significant. It seems like you would focus only on the heart and like the arm's kind of weird. But we gathered some really awesome stuff about the seal on the arm. So the seal on the heart represents the soul, his mind, his will, his emotions, of course. And then the seal on his arm would represent his physical body. So I feel like what she's saying here when she asked him to seal her on his arm is make it known that when people see you, that they know that you belong to me, that you're mine. When they see that seal on your arm, obviously it's not a physical, actual thing, but... Tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> tattoo me on your arm. No, but when that they see you, they see me. They know that we are together. This means that whatever you do with your physical body, make sure that you're honoring me with your body. Don't do anything that would dishonor me with your body. Yeah. So how he uses his body, how he treats his body, ultimately will affect his wife because they are one flesh. Ephesians 5, 28 through 29 says, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. So obviously she's saying here, if you care for your body, if you take care of yourself, if you do this well, then you'll be able to take care of me well. That's exactly what Paul is saying to the church here. And she's saying, put me where you can see me. Be reminded of your commitment to me. Not only will others see that you love me, that I'm yours, but I want you to be reminded that you belong to me. I want you to see it too. So when he is going about his day, in decisions that he makes, his reputation is going to affect his spouse. The things that he does, the places he goes, the way that he carries himself, the things that he says are her reputation. They yeah. fall on her as well. It's not just him. And this goes both ways, obviously, for the wife as well. So even in our physical appearance, the way we care for ourselves affects our spouse. Yeah. And if we don't care for our own body, how can we care for someone else? Yeah, How can we do a good job? And I just want to jump in there. Something that just was brought to my mind. In the Proverbs 31, we're talking about the Proverbs 31 woman. It says, because of her character, her husband's known in the city gate. Mm -hmm. I mean, like how you conduct yourself as a spouse reflects yeah. onto your spouse. Right. And he was known in the gate because of her character. Exactly. And so I, I love that, how this is being brought up. And I think a lot of times in our marriages, we try to act like, well, you know, I make my own decisions. I make my own choices. You can't tell me what to do. And, and those, you know, rebellion can rise up, especially in conflict. But Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 7, 4, that when we decided to marry one another, we gave authority of our bodies over to one another. So my body belongs to him. His body belongs to me. 
And we need to I make got the sure deal. <laughs> we need to make sure that we're honoring each other and the Lord with our bodies. Yeah. So that's one thing that the seal on the arm can represent. But the seal on the arm is also symbolic for strength. Um, the word of God says in Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So here we can see that God is making a similar request of us, of the children of Israel, but also of us as his children now. He's saying, love me with all your heart and soul. Place me as a seal over your heart. And then place me as a seal on your arm. Love me with all your strength. I find it interesting that he asks us to love him with all of our strength. So when I think about how do I love someone with all of my strength, I consider it to be wherever my energy and my efforts are dispensed. So the question we had asked ourselves is, how do I spend my time? What things do I invest in the most? The wife is asking her husband to place her as a seal on his arm to invest his strength and his energy into pursuing her. Yeah. So obviously, you know, there's a rightful order to placing the Lord first with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. But then our spouse as a second place, close second, pursuing them, placing them as a seal on our heart and on our arm. And this is a representation of the gospel. This is how we live out the gospel of Jesus Christ, is to care for someone else and love someone else, invest in someone else in that way. Just like Jesus sought us out, invests in us, pours his affection on us. Yeah. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah. So she wants him to put his energy into the relationship. Yeah. And, and so what does this look like? Well, before he invests in himself into other things, are her emotions and feelings and well-being being considered? And I, I know the illustration is really focused on the man doing this thing, but it, it's really both sides. So it, we can ask ourselves, am I living each day for oneness or am I really living for singleness? You know, do I, do I look forward more to spending time with the boys or time with the girls than I do time with my spouse? Do I, what do I make more time for? When I get home from work, are my first thoughts about me, or am I excited to minister to the one that I'm committed to love? Am I interested in their day, what they had going on? How can I have their heart? Or do I have a hobby that takes precedence over being thoughtful for my spouse? Or am I so consumed with work, how much effort and energy and time I'm putting into my job, that I actually have nothing left at the end of the day for my spouse? like how many of us would be willing to say my work is getting in the way of my marriage and so I'm willing to sacrifice my job to save my marriage, right? The, this isn't a norm in our culture, but the question is, is why not, right? Our, like you said, babe, my relationship with Jesus, our relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship we have, but the second most important relationship we have is not our kids, it's our spouse. Because one day your kids are going to grow up and move away but your spouse will forever remain. So Craig Rochelle, a pastor of Life Church, uh, in a marriage talk one time, he used uh, the, um, this second, this uh, order of importance. One is God and two is your spouse. And he said, I will always pursue my two. I will always pursue my two. Somebody say that. I will always pursue my two. So God is first, but we have to be remi reminded we will always pursue are too. And here in this story, she wants to know, with all of his might, he's always going to pursue his two. So when we put our spouse in the first order of importance, we consider their well-being over our own, We're truly taking care of uh, their needs before ourselves. It's a domino effect. It's a domino effect. So we've got to think about it like this. The more love our spouse receives, the more they're able to return. The more our spouse receives, the more they're able to return. So we talked about uh, love tanks earlier in this series. If you're not depositing in your spouse's love tank, they'll have nothing to pour out into yours. And so we got to prioritize our marriage relationship. That's good. So the seal on the arm represents strength. Yeah. But another symbolic meaning that our arms usually represent well, here we, we called it a willingness to work at it. Yeah. A seal on the arm represents a willingness to work. We use our arms to work. Sometimes in our marriage, work is going to look like fighting and defending, not 
with each other, although it's natural and sometimes it happens. Not here, though, because we're perfect. But no, that's totally a joke. Um, But sometimes you're going to have to fight and defend your marriage. When your marriage is going through a storm and your perseverance, your commitment to one another is being tested, you need to figure out if you're willing to stay and fight. And having your spouse as a seal on your arm represents this desire, this this connectedness. You're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. You're not going to lose hope. You're not going to quit fighting for your spouse. Sometimes you're going to have to fight. The seal on the arm represents the willingness to work at it. So sometimes working at it brings us into a different season where we're building something together and making progress. I think of our home. We've lived in our current home for five years now. And when we first moved in, a month later, our marriage was struggling. That was when like all the bricks came tumbling Tumbling down. down in our marriage and our house was tore up with home improvement projects. <laughs> we had gutted the bathroom upstairs like the, the only first the night we were there. Our marriage was not good and our home was in disarray. There was chaos, there was messiness, there was disorder. And I, I've always likened the stages of our marriage to how we completed that bathroom upstairs. You know, like we, we were coming back together. We'd make a little progress in the bathroom and then things would get better for us. We'd make a little more progress. And I, I used to pray to the Lord, like, God, I know that when this bathroom is done, there's going to be peace here. Like we're building, we're building something. So sometimes you're going to fight. Other times you're going to be able to build something together. Yeah. You're going to be able to reestablish or establish something new together, cultivate something new. Um, Another time that I think it also has to do with our home, we did our landscaping out front in our home last year. She's had me exhausted, y'all, for (laughs) five years. No. It was a tough project, especially within the time frame that we did it. And I remember carrying these landscaping bricks and moving rock, and there was so much, and we did it in a day. I mean, we did the bricks in more than one day, but we moved all of this rock in one day. And my arms were so fatigued. Obviously, I'm not that strong. So just working so hard. I was so fatigued the next day. I was so sore. But the result was a beautiful front of our home. So when you work at it, when you are willing to work at it with your spouse, you're able to create and build something amazing. God is actually able to do it. When you don't give up, when you use your strength to work together, you can build something new. Yeah, and uh, as we were just thinking about this and and talking about that last last night, really, um, I just felt like the Lord put a word on my heart uh, for um, some of you here today. In Isaiah 58, verse 12, this is a verse that he brought to my mind, and I really believe this is for, for some of you, in, wherever you are in your relationship. Uh, the context of this verse, Israel had been in exile. A foreign nations came in and laid waste to the nation, destroyed the capital city, the, the temple had been destroyed, and they'd been in exile, and, and so the, it just wasn't a good situation. Their, their cities were in ruins. But in Isaiah 58, 12, God gives them a promise. And here's what he says. He says, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities, and you'll be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. So God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave a remnant, and I'm going to bring them back, and they're going to rebuild what was devastated. And I believe what the Lord is saying to you today, if you're in that place where your relationship is really struggling, I believe what the Lord is saying to you specifically is no matter how devastated and, de- and depressed your relationship looks, no matter how dire the circumstance, no matter how deep the ruins are and how far back the pain goes, God is calling you to be a restorer of your home. God's calling you to be the restorer. And God has you here today hearing this message to bring a shift in your heart, to bring a shift to help you become uh, a restorer. That's going to help make that restoration possible. Some, some of you, you've been known to be the one to tear things down. You've, you've been the, the terror down. You, you've been the one that taking bricks off the wall and, and, and ripping things apart because of pain and, and other things that are probably very justifiable. But God wants to change your label from destroyer to restorer. 
And, and I believe that God is calling you out today to begin to rebuild, and he's going to use you to rescue your marriage. And you might be, you know, feeling like, yeah, I just don't, I just don't know. I've, I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. I'm done trying. I just don't have the energy anymore. And I believe God is saying specifically, don't grow weary in doing what is good. At the right time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. God is going to bring restoration. And so cling to that, that word today. And, and so we just want to give you a, a couple of steps as you are endeavoring today. God, you're calling me to be a restorer of my home. God, you're, you're, you're doing this. We don't have oneness. We want to restore this oneness. I want to start pursuing my two because, honestly, I haven't been. I've been living like a, a lone wolf in my home. Here's some things that you can do to begin pursuing oneness again. And, and to help restore your relationship to where God can really do something special with it. And we want to give you a couple practical things. And this comes out of Genesis chapter 2. The very first text we started with uh, this morning looking at oneness. The first thing, and if you're taking notes, this will be on the screen for you as well. The first thing you can do today to begin working back towards oneness in your relationship is to commit or recommit yourself to the Lord. Commit to setting your spouse as a seal on your heart, just as we've been talking about today. And what does this look like? It means maybe with the way your relationship is, you're going to give your heart and your body to Jesus. And you're going to say, God, I, I can't do it for them because of where my heart is right now, but I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to submit myself to you. I'm going to lay myself down, and I'm going to commit my heart to you, my body to you. And when you do, beloved, you position yourself for God to begin doing miracles in your life. You position yourself for God to move. Genesis 2.22, when, when he had just made the woman, he says, And then the Lord God made the woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. God wants to bring you to your spouse. So when you submit yourself to him and you say, God, it, as hard as this is, I'm submitting to you, you're going to enable him to begin bringing you back together. Mm -hmm. The second thing you can do is to break away. In verse 24 of chapter 2 of Genesis, it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother. I would say our relationship with our parents is a pretty important relationship. Would you agree? Yeah. Amen. But in order for the man to be one with his wife, he has to leave his father and mother. He's got to sever that relationship so he can build his new family. This is cutting the cord and not just relationally with people. This could be with any and everything that is breaking oneness in your relationship. We have relationships with a lot of things. Some of us have a relationship with uh, endeavors in our lives. Some, some have relationships with our parents that get in the way. You know, I've, I've known some guys that have a really unhealthy relationship with their mom. You know, that, that, that's kind of scary. You know, so, you know, there's some relationships that we have that are unhealthy, but we have relationships with our cell phone, with video games, with sports, with television, again, with our work, with our career. We have an unhealthy relationship with things that are getting in the way of oneness. And so if we want to begin establishing oneness again or building towards oneness, not only do we need to submit to God, but we need to break away from any and everything that is getting in the way of what God wants to accomplish in our relationship. Right. And the third thing that we came up with to recommit to oneness or getting back to oneness is to get fresh eyes for your spouse. Fresh eyes. How do we get fresh eyes? Verse 23 of Genesis chapter 2. At last the man exclaimed, This is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. So we see the man has fresh eyes for his new wife. She's no longer a bloody rib, which sounds really gross to say. She's no longer a bloody rib. She's his beautiful bride. He sees her with fresh new eyes. And if you've been married for any length of time, sometimes this is really hard to do because it's really easy to see all of the things you don't like. It's easy to call out all of the faults and failures of your spouse. I, we were at a pastor's meeting one time, and one of the wives was sharing about a time in their marriage where she, she was calling out to God, and she said, God, I just don't like anything about him. 
There's nothing I can find that I like about him because she was challenged to come up with some things that she loves about her husband. And so she went into prayer and said, there's nothing I like about him. And then she sat there. She goes, well, I guess I like his eyes. He has pretty eyes, but that's it. So starting from pretty eyes, she said she was able to, each time she prayed, come up with one more thing that she loved about her husband. And God was able to restore them. And I've, I've even done this personally where I've been mad at him and don't want to see his face. And I was actually challenged by a friend the same thing. And I started thinking about what an awesome daddy is and all the ways that he's an amazing husband. And suddenly I wasn't so angry anymore. I was able to see him with fresh eyes. So we need to make this a practice, yeah. I think, in our relationships. Because we're not just going to keep fresh eyes. It doesn't happen naturally. So keep working, praying with the Spirit, asking the Spirit, show me what I love about my spouse. Show me what you see. Um, Number four, join together. Um, Verse 24b, it says, and he has joined his wife. So join together. By this we mean join together in setting goals for your family. Come up with some family goals. Come up with some goals for your marriage relationship. Set priorities together. What's important to the two of you? as as your family what what kind of things do you want to seek together this is something that we just started doing a couple of years ago you want to share with some of the family goals that we've came up with you're going to put me on the spot i am, I am. okay just so some of our family goals were to um read the bible more together as a family um some of our family goals were <laughs> look at i'm struggling I do know them. Yeah. No. Um, to be more generous to people outside of our family, to look for ways to be more generous. Um, another one we came up with was to invite more people over. Um, what's another one this year? This is probably well, a we, few from this previous years. This year was years. like to read six books of the Bible. Yeah, six together. books specifically of the Bible together. Yeah. We are on four. Mm-hmm. This is our fourth one. Yeah, so. Is that right, guys? Four? Five. Yep. Reese knows. Yep. We're on Five. our fifth one. So we're doing it. We're accomplishing our goals. Yes. Yep. But it's just it's just a way to <laughs> to bring a target to your relationship. Yep. Um, date each other. I know some people don't see the significance of this, but if you all you did when you first met was date and you were excited about each other and you went out and you were able to have fun, don't stop doing that just because you're married. Date your spouse. Go have fun. Go do fun things together. Prioritize them. Make time for them. Have conversation outside of the kids, outside of work, outside of strenuous things. Just go do something fun together. Um, You can't expect a great relationship to just happen without a regular investment, right? So I think we've said that throughout this series. So join together in deciding what you want to do, what things are important in your in your marriage and in your family. Yeah, I think that's good. I th- I'll just kind of tell on us a little bit. We, we went out Friday night. We try to make Friday nights a regular date night, and we've had, you know, some people think we were weird because we always go out on Friday nights as much as we can. Um, but uh, we were sitting at, at dinner, and we're talking, and, and I want to be like, okay, I don't want to talk about church at all. Like, I just, I don't want to talk about it. And she looks at me, and she's like, that's all we talk about. Like, uh, like, we don't have anything else to talk about. So it's like, okay, let's try to come up with some things to talk about. Okay, well, we it's ha- not always church. It's like, you know, so what are we going to do for movie night? Yeah. Or, you know, the church. kids have this activity. It church. is church, but not church always related. directly church. So, so we're like, well, let's come up. Okay, we got sports. Okay, what sports have we got coming up? You know what? You know, so then we were just talking we about our, our kids. Our, our calendar and our kids. And, and eventually I think <laughs> we, we, got, we got onto something. But it's like find things that aren't like management to talk about. We, we, we often just communicate over management, and that's good. You need to, but we also need to have relational connection, and, and so finding ways to speak that's not just management, that it's, uh, you know, sharing your heart, talking about what you dream about, you know, what, where, where do you want to be in five years? You know, is it in the same place, or do you want to have a house in Florida on the beach? You know, what, what is it that you want to do, and just um, dream, yes. dream together, and, uh, and, those, and that'll go a long way. And number five, we've gone through these four things. Number five just kind of wraps it together, and it's discover oneness. Discover what oneness can look like in your relationship. In verse 24, it says, and then the two were united into one. So then man and wife were naked, and they felt no shame. So as you're pursuing your two, you begin sealing your heart and your arm with your spouse you're going to begin to merge your individual lives into one new life, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. 
And this is the path to restoration. If there's been breaks and fractures in your relationship, this is the path to bring it back together and allow God to begin the healing work. So when you have a marriage of oneness, if you think about God's love for us, as we, we talked about how he wanted us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In the word it says, and nothing can separate us from God's love. And he lists a bunch of things. When you have a marriage of oneness, nothing's going to be able to come in between you. Nothing, because nothing will be able to separate you. Why? Because no one else gets access. You're sealed. You're sealed. And how are you sealed? You're sealed for better or worse. In sickness and in health. For richer or poorer. Forsaking all others. Until death do us part. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you today. And I pray for our couples, our marriages. God, I pray for those who are single. I pray, God, that right now, in Jesus' name, you would begin the healing process. You'd begin in our very own hearts. God, I pray for those struggling right now, even with the concept of surrendering our mind and our body to you to be sacrificial in the way we love our spouse because of all the pain that's there. But God, I just reaffirm that word. You're calling us to be restorer of homes. God, you want healing in our home. You want restoration because that's how your glory can be seen. You don't call us to perfection, but you do call us to be submitted to you. And as we submit to you, God, you're able to reveal your glory to those around us. The gospel can be seen where you take broken people and put new things to life. You bring new to life. God, and I just speak life over our marriages and our relationships today, God. Everything that is dead, I just call life to it right now in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for the oneness to begin to, to come into fruition as we uh, forsake the relationships and the things that are getting in the way, as we begin to prioritize our relationships with our spouses. God, give us fresh eyes to see them. And maybe it's that they just have beautiful eyes. God, help us to focus on at least one thing today that can draw our hearts back in to lean back in towards our spouse. And I pray for our spouses today. I pray for those whose spouse isn't here today. I pray, God, you begin to soften their heart, that your word would fall on fresh soil in their heart, God, and you'd begin to to turn their heart back towards their spouse. Lord, your word says, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. There is no one greater to turn a heart than the God of all gods. And I know I've prayed that prayer multiple times. I've seen you work in ways that I couldn't imagine, bringing my wife's heart back to me in many circumstances, God. And I know you can do it for those that are here. And so we pray, God, you'd turn our spouses' hearts back together again. God, I pray for those who are single, and I pray, Lord, that, that they would um, hear the word and that they begin to implement these things in their life right now. And when they meet the person that you're bringing to them, they'd begin future-proofing their relationship by living this out now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, for those that are, that are older, that have been widowed, Lord, that can share their experience to help us, Lord. I pray that we would build a culture of mentorship here where we see the older generation as sources of wisdom god where we lean on their past experience to help uh, give us counsel and wisdom in our current situations and i thank you god for what you're doing in our church and how you're bringing us back together we thank you lord in jesus name amen at Vertical Life Church. We want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you and God bless.